staccato handguns are trusted and approved by over 900 elite law enforcement agencies, including 65 SWAT teams. When it comes to accuracy and reliability, the choice is easy with staccato. Welcome to a special Policing Matters podcast featuring the minute-by-minute series segment on how the Georgia Bureau of Investigation handled the media response to the Ahmed Arbery murder. With Julie Parker and the GBI Public Affairs Director, Nellie Miles, on their communications response. It's an important example of receiving notification of an incident and doing the due diligence in crafting a thoughtful response. The case gained international attention when it went viral on social media. Listen in to hear how the GBI responded. Nellie Miles, thank you so much for joining us. Please let the viewers know who you are, what you do, and where you work. Absolutely. My name is Nellie Miles. I'm the director of the Office of Public and Governmental Affairs for the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Just a little bit about the GBI. The GBI is a state-level criminal investigative agency. So our main focus is to support the criminal justice community. And in order for the GBI to get involved in an investigation, we have to be requested by local law enforcement. So in most crimes, we do not have original jurisdiction. We can't just show up and say, we're the GBI, we're coming to take over the case. We have to have a request from local law enforcement for the GBI to begin an investigation. And in the case that we're going to talk about today, the Ahmad Arbery case, who called in the GBI and walk us through how that all began? Well, in the end, it was the district attorney that requested the GBI, the local district attorney that requested the GBI to investigate this case. And how it all began is that for probably a few weeks, because Ahmaud Arbery was murdered in February of 2020, for a few weeks, there was some a little bit of local chatter about the Ahmad Arbery case, about a young man who was jogging in the neighborhood, but there wasn't any widespread media coverage about it. And one of the defendants in the case, which was Mr. McMichael, he was the father, um, and it was a father-son set of defendants um, that, was, that were eventually arrested initially, he gave the video, which was recorded by a third person, to the local radio station and said, I want to give this video to the local radio station in order to quell some of this conversation that's happening about it. And so that's how it all began. Local radio picked it up, aired it. And from that point, May 5th, 2020, it went viral. And in your career, have you experienced anything of that magnitude? Up until that point, Absolutely not. Here lately, we have had some really high profile, very large investigations that we can talk about it at the time. But just thinking back to that point, we had not the GBI. We support local agencies. And a lot of times, a lot of our cases, we get out there, we issue a statement, we do a news release, maybe a few on-camera interviews. And after one or two days, we move on to the next case, but not, not nothing like this. Not with this case. Our goal here is to help inform leadership and to help inform public information officers and try to prepare them if and when their agency goes viral. This case was actually larger from a social media standpoint than a traditional media standpoint, which says a lot. How did the GBI manage that social media messaging component of this murder? 
Exactly what you said, Julie. It was 100% bigger on social media. And that really, really came because it, everything started online when the viral went video. Now, when it comes to public and governmental affairs for GBI, we don't have a very large team. And so we were receiving hundreds upon hundreds of comments and questions, Facebook posts, tweets about this particular case. And so what we, were, what we did, um, me and, and Natalie Ammons, who's the deputy for GBI and public and governmental affairs, we were just combing through all of those comments, knowing that with just two people, we may not be able to respond to each individual comment, but we can kind of get an idea of what is the conversation. And Julie, the main message is, why isn't the GBI doing anything? Why won't the GBI step in? And so as I described earlier, our mission and the fact that we can't, that was the first step is for us just to educate the public on what the GBI can do and what we can't do. And so there were a couple of investigations that we were asked to do. We were asked to investigate who leaked the video. That was a, a legit ask. We were asked to investigate threats that the defendants were getting and the suspects were getting in this case. And we had not been asked to investigate the death. So we just let the public know this is what we're doing and we're still waiting on requests for other things. So that's what we did. We just basically took most of the comments, looked at it, and then issued statements online. And this is probably one of the first times where we really had to do rapid fire statements. As I said earlier, the GBI were not first responders. And because of that, we we're usually not having to deal with fast moving incidents like that, because it's usually the local agencies handling that, but not with this case. What would you say to, to public information officers who rightfully so are trying to do what they can to prepare for something going viral? Is there anything that you had done in your day-to-day -day jobs that prepared you for the onslaught of comments, tweets, questions, concerns that were that were flooding social media about this case? That's a really good question because before this particular case, you, I just really had the mindset that with all the GBI, you know, we're here to help. It'll never happen to us, but recognizing it's not a matter of if, but when was really, was really big. And just knowing that you need to go to training, that was, that was really major. When I first started, I came from the sciences. I was a chemist, so I did not have any background in this. And I just started going to conferences. I started taking training classes. I started meeting people in network and really just building those tools and storing it away in my back pocket because I thought, well, I may not need it now, but what if I need it down the road? And sure enough, that day came where I had to pull all those tools that I had been storing up for years so that I could know strategically What's my next step here as a team? What are we going to handle? What are we going to respond? How are we going to get the message out? Is it going to be on social media? Is it going to be a news conference? Is it going to be a recorded statement? And really sit down and, and come up with that strategy for how to handle it. But that would not have been possible if I did not have training and a strong network of people like you that I could lean on to help support the support us from the comm side along the way. Those were the those were the two biggest things, the training and the network. I think the other thing is just the organizational structure of the GBI that really, really helped. We understand at the GBI how important communication is. And so my position as director of the Office of Public and Governmental, Governmental Affairs is part of the agency command staff. So I report directly yeah. to the agency head. 
And awesome. that makes all the difference because there's, I don't have to waste a lot of time to sift through a lot of layers to get information out. And so when this one hit, this big one hit, we were able to get down to business and, and get information out to the public to sort of calm a lot of the outrage that was happening. Two-pronged question. What is the approval process like for you? And what platforms did you post to about this case? For social media, the approval process is I am the approver. Um, that's, that, that's, this, that's how we set up. We have an organization that has selected someone that is an executive, that is an executive level that they can trust. So I'm, I am the approver. What I will do when it comes to really big, big cases and, and, and major statements and major, major news conferences, we have a, a think tank, if you will, that would include the GBI director, the assistant director, the division director over the investigative division. And we certainly collaborate as you know, any other team would. But when it comes to putting things out on social media and what gets tweeted and what goes on, on, on Facebook, I'm, I'm the approver. And we, we were... Really, Twitter was a, our, 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 our saving grace to get information out quickly. But we also did use Facebook. Twitter is a, an interesting topic. Do you have moments where right now you're saying, should we continue to use this platform from a government perspective to message about whether it's a crisis or your day-to-day? -day? Has that question come up? Today, yes. But... As we know in this business, you have to be flexible and things rapidly change. In 2020, it was the perfect place for us because I will say that when it came to misinformation, we did not deal with loads of misinformation in this case, okay? That was very helpful. It was a video that was out. Everyone saw the video. It was more of the outrages. Why isn't anyone being held accountable for it? In today's time, unfortunately, we find a lot of misinformation that's out there. And I have, we have a lot of trouble with, with Twitter. We have very extreme people, or say extreme views that we find on Twitter, a lot of anti-police sentiment that just happens to show up on that platform. I'm not quite sure what's happening with the algorithm or why, but it does, not as so much the other platforms, but that particular platform. I mean, it's definitely a struggle. And even from just taking away our, our, our check mark, we're no longer verified. And we applied for the gray check mark, and we, we were turned down. And, and I know that we are a reputable statewide agency, but for whatever reason, we don't qualify, qualify for it right now. So it's a, a whole struggle. other conversation. That's a whole other it, conversation. It, it is. It is. So it is definitely a struggle um, with that platform. But at this point, we have not found an our alternative, and we still have a lot of our journalists that are on there. So it's it's been a good way to get information out, but I will say we don't use the platform nearly as much as we did before. Good to know. On the media front now, let's focus on that tidal wave, I would imagine, of local, state, national, international members of the media calling, showing up. What was it like? How would you describe it? It was a whirlwind, Julie. I mean, I... When it came to media, it was just the volume. That was the, the major issue, just trying to keep up with the volume. And you know, we finally got to the point where we just said, here, here's the dedicated inbox that you're gonna, we're gonna have to use for this case because we couldn't keep up with people DMing us, texting us, and 
trying to track us down. They did everything but show up at her front doorstep to try to get information. And it was just much more efficient for us to dedicate um, an inbox for that case. That's what we did at that time. And we just honestly told people, if you're looking for updates, we will let you know when they're updates. We'll send the updates out. And we, we simultaneously put them on social, on social media. And I think that that was helpful. But for us, because it was a viral video, what we didn't want to do is put one thing out and then go silent. So the constant flow of information that we could say about the case as it developed, I think, did help. We had lots of social media tweets and posts. We had multiple news conferences throughout, throughout the incident. We issued some statements, even if we didn't have a whole lot to say, even if it was just, here's why we need you to be patient and here's what's going on behind the scenes and some of the decisions that we made along the way, just to keep people informed. We did recorded statements. We just exercised a, ver a variety of different ways to communicate that we hadn't before. We didn't even have basic photography or basic recording equipment before, lighting, microphones. I would go to conferences and all of that sounded great, but I'm thinking we aren't, we're not gonna need that because normally we're just behind the scenes. But that was a, that's the thing of the past. I'll just say that. Any specific equipment that you would tell anyone who's listening, watching now to go by immediately in case? I think the microphone was really major, just having that external mic, because there were so many times we'd have news conferences and they were ready to fire the, our team because they all like, we can't hear and what's going on there. So the mic for sure. Um, good lighting, this backdrop that you see here, that was, that, was, that was one of the purchases that we made just to keep that professional setting that we had. And I mean, we just, we use our iPhones. I think they have still very good quality these days. The, the microphone being key because it's not just about the media capturing it, it's that you're live streaming, I'm guessing, your news conference to the public and they're frustrated as they watch at home by not being able to hear from your folks. Is that right? 100% accurate, yes. Okay, all right, microphone is a good call. What, of all the lessons that you learned, and, and we all do when we manage a crisis, is the internal communications piece one of the biggest lessons you learned? That was definitely one of the biggest lessons that we've learned. One, people within your organization should not find out what's happening big from the news or from social media. And never mind the fact that even in 2023, not everybody's on social media, but just making sure that we're communicating internally first before it goes out was a big lesson learned because we just did not do that. We were just, we got so caught up in the investigation. And even though in this case, it wasn't a GBI agent that was they involved in a use mm -hmm. of force or anything like that, it was still such a major investigation that had widespread social consequences in the midst of civil unrest during a pandemic that, I mean, we absolutely should have been communicating internally first. So that was a big lesson learned. I mean, midway through we issued, you know, some messages to, to our staff internally and apologized for delay on this, assure the people we would get better from that. And since then we've been far better about making sure we communicate with our folks internally first about things that are going to impact them before we post it. Publicly. Would an example of that be 
from a chief of staff, for example, saying, dear GBI, we're about to do a news conference this afternoon about XYZ. It'll be live streamed here. It's about one, two, three, and then that's your message? Or is there anything more in depth that you think should be sent out? Well, that is a, that's a great example, but just even to say that this major event has happened, this is the statement that we're, we're about to release that we wanted to make you aware of what was going on and where you can find out more information just to keep up with it, just to keep, just for them to keep that connection to know where, what's happening. Um, this is why we made a certain, made a specific decision to do something. Here's the information about that. And then we go ahead and put it out okay. um, because it's not for, for us. So we're a statewide agency and uh, we are, we're servicing over 11 million citizens. So it may not be that every time we're responding to something, we're going to send something out because quite frank, quite frankly, it's not really going to impact everyone in our agency, but we know what the big ones are that are going to, that we make sure that we communicate internally first. Great point. Let's close it out where we started, which is with social media. And to to leave the policeone.com folks who are paying attention to this subject matter, what is one thing that public information officers, leadership, whomever, should be doing today to get ready for a crisis in terms of social? Well, in terms of social, from my experience and then working for the state and working very close to a lot of local law enforcement agencies, the thing that they need to be doing is actually using it, using it consistently and establishing that relationship with their followers and constituents before something happens. Because when I know for me as a citizen, when I wanna know what's going on, I go to people's social media accounts and if I see that the last time you posted something was four years ago on your accounts, it's very concerning. It's very difficult for me to have a lot of faith that I'm going to get the information I need to make the right decisions. And so that's that to me is the big thing, because you kind of have an idea when you go ahead and do that, have that consistent communication with what the, the kinds of information they're looking for, what really piques their interest. And you already have that rapport with them. So you're not just starting this conversation blind with even though they're the local community there's something different i mean your local community community versus your constituents and your followers on social media may not be the exact same thing but they're still there you they're going to be mixed in with your local community and other other folks that may be from the outside but they're driving that conversation so please whatever you do yes be on the platforms that would be the that's kind of the given it may seem obvious but you've got to use it please i beg you use those platforms before something happens. And honestly, if you don't have the capacity to be on 10 platforms and, and, and engage with them, then, then you don't need to. You know, pick your top two, if, that, if you will, that works, but you, and, then, and then focus in on that. So it might not be jump on everything. It might just be this, these are the two that we have the capacity for because we're, I'm a one-man band and I've got a backup and that's it. And I think that's okay, but for me, I just, think the worst thing is for you to have these platforms and then you just let it sit out there and then you don't use it and then someone else is telling your story. Firmly agree. Great guidance as always. Nellie Miles of the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me.
Choose the handgun trusted by over 900 law enforcement agencies across the country. With Staccato, you can feel confident knowing you aren't sacrificing incredible accuracy for reliability. Whether you're protecting your family at home or on duty, Staccato has your back. Military and law enforcement receive discount pricing through the Staccato Heroes Program. Visit www.staccato2011 backslash heroes program.com to learn more. That's staccato, S-T-A-C-C-A-T-O, 2011 backslash heroes dash program.com. Hey, stay safe out there and um, hope to talk to you again real soon. Drop me a line at policing matters at police one.com. If you've got any comments or uh, other information that we should be talking about here on the show, That's policing matters at police one.com. All right. Take good care. Talk to you again real soon.